Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, sunshine. I'm Alexi Lawless, and welcome to a special live edition of the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game on and off the field through the lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. We are coming to you directly after the Trinidad-Tobago versus U.S. game. Not great, but what is great is, as always, joining me, my friend, my colleague, my guiding light, David Mossier, soccer savant and a Fox soccer researcher and writer extraordinaire. Mossy, we're coming to you on this evening, Monday, November 20th in the year 2023, following a, a loss in terms of the 90 minutes for the U.S. team. But I guess overall a win in they will go on as this was a home and away. So much to talk to. First off, how you doing, my friend? Doing well. Uh, congratulations. The United States has qualified for the 2024 Copa America. You know, I've been putting <laughs> Pulisic on those promos and holding my breath, but now I can feel good about that. Well, yeah. I mean, so there is a greater good and there is a bigger fish to fry, if you will, when it comes to this. However, you know, as we look at data, data points, whatever you want to call them, um, this is not going to be one that is going to be pointed to as a you know, a, a, a moment where the belief was justified. Uh, and by many, it's probably going to be looked at as yet another example of problems lurking for this team that I think we all agree is very good. But the question is, can they live up to the potential? And the next big moment from a assessment perspective is going to be next summer. So yes, they are going to Copa America, but a lot to talk about here in terms of this uh, this result. When uh, when you look at this, Mossy, well, where do you want to start? Let's start with, with with first off where we start oftentimes. And and again, if you want to talk, hit your little button. Little blue light will show up there, and it will inform me that you do want to say something. Hopefully, you do it in a efficient manner with an economy of words, and hopefully uh, there's no filibustering. So don't bore us, get to the chorus, but I do want to hear what everybody has to say because that's the unique and I think the awesome part about this particular type of interaction. A uh, couple of things uh, when, it comes, when it comes to the lineup, we finally get Ricardo Pepe in terms of returning as a starter. It was a fairly um, forgettable type of night for Ricardo Pepe. 
this the lineup Mossy was interesting. A lot of people, you know, what it ultimately looked like, and you know, we can sc- throw out numbers here, here or there. Four two two two. There were even some question before we came online that possibly there was going to be a back three that didn't materialize. It was still the same back four. And as a matter of fact, over there on that left hand side, Anthony Robinson evidently is a scoring machine. Uh, scored the first goal. We were off to the races. I actually thought a much better first half relative to the uh, the home game from a few days ago, but. All in all, uh, not a great performance. And I know a lot is of time we're going to spend here talking about Serginho Dest's situation here. But generally, Mossy, what were your thoughts after watching this game? Yeah, I thought uh, there was a before and after in this match, which was the Serginho Dest red card, because I thought the U.S. actually came out pretty well, was uh, delivering a solid performance up until that point. Uh, even though they were up 3-0 on aggregate, still they took the game to TNT. They had all the possession, created the chances, got the goal from Anthony Robinson. And I do think this was trending towards a comfortable flex the muscles type win. And then an absolute moment of madness, one of the dumbest red cards I think I've ever seen a player pick up. <laughs> and the game changed right there. TNT equalized before halftime and then completely controlled the second half, which you would have thought the U.S. could have managed that situation better. I'm sorry, even down a man, that TNT team is awful. And that, that second half shouldn't have been as one-sided as it was. Um, and they end up losing because uh, one of the few howlers in Matt Turner's international career, I thought that was a pretty soft goal to give up. Um, yep. And so 2-1 final, but the U.S. prevails 4-2 in aggregate. So you end up leaving with a bad taste because I think we all agree, even down a man, that second half should have been better than it was. Yes, absolutely. It should be better. Uh, Matt Turner needs to save that. Uh, I think he would be the first person to raise his hand and say that he needs to save that. Made a couple of other save, which, uh, saves, which is great. I don't think that this is cause for uh, you know a uh, navel-gazing type of moment where Matt Turner is no longer the number one. And again, as I said in the, in the previous pods, nobody is undroppable. Um, However, when it comes to Serginho Dest, and let's just get right to that so that I can uh, get other people up here to talk because I want to hear what you have to say about it. Uh, was it dumb? Yes. Um, for a player of his ability, stature, uh, professional experience, age, experience, all the different stuff that we talk about, this was a boneheaded move and one that was completely unnecessary. I get sometimes players see red. And then, and then they see red. I get sometimes it's difficult to control your emotions. But this, this reeked uh, of, of a guy that just didn't want to be there. This reeked of a almost a Reggie Dunlop for you hockey people out there or a Crash Davis type of moment where this was being done for a, a purpose that had nothing to do necessarily with the game because the, the reaction didn't even come close to fitting what ultimately it had had happened. Now, I know you feel aggrieved at different times by referees or the ball's in or the ball's out or a play wasn't called here, here or there. But then to do that, and by the way, <laughs> if you put your hand over your mouth, it, it's, it's like my kids when they first learned um, nothing personal and then they would proceed to say something mean, right? That it, 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 the hand over the mouth when you're calling somebody names uh, and a referee does nothing. It doesn't take anything away. I get it. You don't want us that are watching to read your lips in terms of what you are saying, but the referee can hear everything that you're you're saying. And it's and after you launch the ball over there, so th- this was this was dumb. Uh, it will be dealt with probably uh, internally and externally. I think a lot of people. I mean, it's amazing to me, and I know Twitter's not necessarily a focus group, but it's amazing to me how many people thought that this warranted 
you know, exile and banishment and uh, thank you very much, but the, it's over for Sanjinio Des. The problem with that is that there's nobody better. I hope that, that somebody comes along, but right now when it comes to the right back position, there is nobody better. And he has his, he had his, has his faults and he has his challenges, not the least of which is actually playing defensively in terms of a right back position, but going forward, I mean, even, even the cross tonight for the goal that came from, uh, for Sanjinio Dest and he puts teams and he puts sides under pressure with what he does. So until there's somebody better, I don't think that you can punish the team for a moment. You can, you know, read him the riot act. And I'm sure that Greg Berhalter and his players, we even saw it on the field, were not happy with him. And you can use that dynamic to now light a fire going forward. So when he gets back, he needs to understand. And I know it's easier said than done with a guy like Serginho Dest, but he needs to understand that this kind of shit can't happen. All right. And it didn't. It didn't uh, affect the team in the uh, in the World Cup. I think he got one yellow card through the four through the four games. But this wasn't the type of player that we were seeing in the World Cup. And God forbid this shows up in a tournament situation and puts the team in a difficult situation against a much much better uh, much much better. Uh, uh, opponent. Anything on Serginho before we get to calls here, Moss? No, I just want to say, I don't want to tell you who you should go to first, but we do have Stu Holden uh, holding on here. Oh, yes. really? Look at this. All right. Well, listen, we'll go to Stu. Not that, and listen, you know what? No, I'm not going to <laughs> Stu first. Okay. I'm not. I had him all pot, uh, potted up here and I was going to bring him in, but you know what? Stu Holden is no more important than anybody else. So he's going to wait his ass just like everybody else. All right. Let's see here. <laughs> Oh, and he gives me the thumbs down over there. Let's go to Jonathan Price. Jonathan, uh, you you are you are you are coming in over Stu Holden. All right, as the as it should be. All right, this is the type of uh, of uh, ship I run here. Unmute yourself there. Hey, hey, what's up? hey. No, well, first of all, right off the bat, um, I'm not more important. Stu Holden, big fan of. Uh, oh, believe of me, you are. I, I know <laughs> the guy. I've known him for years. You, you, you. As most people on this call, uh, go ahead. Yeah. So right off the bat. Um, Alexi, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Just especially, this is where senior members of the team really come into play, right? Where they need to put, mm -hmm. put their hand on Sergio Desch's shoulder and be like, hey, man, we got to figure this out. Because, uh, I mean, Taylor Twelman said it well earlier. Um, Conkable is going to eat this guy up in a big major tournament that we've got coming up next year. You behave like that on the field, man. They're going to get in your head, those crowds. You're going to hear it in those crowds. So I just, just want to like, can you kind of harp on how important it yeah. is to have senior members of the team really kind of wrap their hands around a young, I mean, he's 23 years old. Um, yeah. Yeah. But listen, I mean, you, you've watched Serginho Dest. And when I say watched him, not only have we watched him on the field, but we've seen the personality that he has. And look, like any player, you take the good with the bad and none of us were all good and none of us were, were all bad. And there are certainly challenges when it comes to Serginho Dest. My, my worry in this situation is that Serginho Dest isn't going to give a crap, okay? He, listen, we know he marches to his own beat, right? His own drummer and all that. And that's that's good in a sense. But, you know, if a leader of this team, and keep in mind, this is still a relatively young team. I know Tim Reams around there and Matt Turner can, and they can scream and yell and do all that. But does it go in one ear and out the other? And if it does, it wouldn't surprise me. And it shouldn't surprise anybody. This is what Serginho Dest is. But you have to be able to recognize that you got to work with that. Again, if there was somebody waiting in the wings that I believed was as good, it doesn't even have to be better, but as good, immediately you change it because, because of the situation. But again, this is not AYSO, all right? This isn't even 
youth soccer, this isn't high school soccer, this isn't college soccer, where you're trying to make, you know, trend, send a message here on the, on the uh, field. And in doing so, if you put yourself as a team behind the eight ball, if you hurt your team by taking somebody off, in, in this case, in order to send a quote unquote message, I think that's problematic when ultimately this is about winning and this is, uh, this is about doing well. So that's, that's the concern I have. But yes, to your point, ideally, the older players, and it doesn't even have to be older players, just players with a voice. And, voice, and, and I don't know because I'm not in the locker room, but whoever has the gravitas, whoever, when he speaks, people listen, needs to sit him down and say, hey, dude, what is going on? All right. Are you having problems? Do you want to be here? Are you in it with us? Is this something that you want to uh, be part of going forward? Because if not, don't waste our time. And ultimately, if not, you're not only doing a disservice to yourself, but in this case, you're doing a disservice to your country. Yeah. And that I cannot abide. Yeah. So that's the, that's the type of, of interaction that I would have. And you know what? He might shine me off and say, uh, I don't care what you say. Or he might just tell me what I want to hear. Or it might, again, just go in one ear and out the other. And that has happened before. There are players in the past that I know no matter what I say, they're not necessarily going to listen to me. And then you really have to decide, is it worth it? Is it worth dealing with the crap and the baggage that comes with someone like Serginho Dest in order to go forward? Yeah, and this was a super interesting cycle in itself because you got guys like Tim Weah, you got guys like Christian Plessick yep. off the cycle, this rotation, just due to injuries. So that's the experience that you're missing automatically from the locker room. Now are those, you know, they are those guys that are going to really step up and they're going to be the ones that he's going to listen to. Maybe, maybe not. But as a very average U.S. soccer fan that's out here, you know, uh, yelling into the abyss. I mean, we see the Instagram videos that he puts out there, his little highlight reels. Then we see, you know, the balancing act of today. It, it, it's we've never really questioned Sergio Death in the past, yeah. but yeah. now we are. Well, we've we've questioned him from a defensive standpoint, and when when they come up against an elite team where they are actually under pressure as a team, and that left hand side, well, the right hand side for Serginho, but the left hand side of the op opponent, when they're really coming down, I mean, look, if you're playing France, you know who you're coming up against? That's Mbappe. Now, can you actually step up and in this moment not only defend but show the maturity that you need? And tonight, that brought into question whether you have the ability to do uh, to do that from a maturity standpoint, because that was. You know, his, his red card that he, you know, I think it was Matt Doyle who said that the red card that he got early, because this is his second red card within a year, but the red card that he got a few uh, months ago, you know, that was whatever. That was, you know, in the heat of the moment, every, you know, it was kind of forgiven in that moment. This is, this is not forgiven. But again, I don't know what the types of ramification would be uh, internally or externally for a player doing that. Obviously, he's going to have to sit the game, but I don't know if there's any further punishment because, again, you're just punishing uh, the team. All right, my friend. Appreciate hey, it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. See you, Jonathan. All right. Now we'll go over to Stu. All right. We made him a wait a little bit, but, uh, you know, we'll see. See, uh, but if he, he better bring it. Okay. Just because his name's Stu Holden doesn't mean that uh, he can't stink it up here. So I know he's been running around doing some uh, youth soccer today. So I hope he got to see a little bit of it. Hey, Stuart. Hey, Mossy. Oh, How are you? I, I didn't know Alexi <laughs> was there, too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I oh, was he's got jokes. I, the kid's I, got jokes. Wonderful. I'm I could okay. respond, but you know, the, the way you had me muted. Um, yeah, of course I got a take on the Serginho death thing. Um, okay, go. And you know what? I, I love uh, the last caller there. Um, also just talking about, you know, look, here, here's the thing with Serginho death. We know his talent. You guys talked about it. It's, it's there for everybody to see. 
But I think that right there is a perfect example of why a guy with so much talent went from Ajax to Barcelona. Then uh, all the rumors were like, hey, Javi wants this guy out of here. Well, he got him out. He went to AC Milan. AC Milan was like, hey, we got to get this guy out of here. AC Milan get him out. Barca don't want him. And then he ends up at PSV. You know, it, it, that, that part is, is the off the field. It's the behavioral stuff. It's the attitude stuff. His talent is sky high. But if you can't match the two of them, you know, there, there's a reason and you get found out pretty quickly. And that's another good example there that, sure, Serginho Dest on his day could be the best, one of the best fullbacks that we have had. But that other part of his game right there is why I don't feel that we could trust him consistently. And I know he performed well in the World Cup. And, you know, I got to give him his credit. I thought actually defensively he did a great job in that tournament. He had some good performances. But if you're asking me if I want Serginho Dest starting in the 2026 World Cup, let alone even next summer, in uh, in Comnibal because I thought that you know we were talking about that how teams are going to try to wind yeah. him up a little bit absolutely the guy the guy's a hothead and that that level of immaturity there I I think my favorite part about that entire sequence beyond you know making a joke about it was the the reaction of his teammates you know you had Gio Reyna you had Tim Ream you had Yunus Musa guys hands on him screaming in his face I mean that's that's Tim Ream father of three kids right there he was. He was trying to put Serginho Dest in a timeout, and he didn't want to leave his toys alone. So now he's going to have to, you know, give him a consequence. It's just so what's so what's the consequence? What's the what, what happens? Are you throwing the baby yeah, out? I wouldn't, the call, I wouldn't call him. What, what I wouldn't doing? call him up next camp. You know that, that that's how you learn. You want to be a part of this team. You got to be a part of this team. And I think Greg Berhalter, what he's done over the past, you know, three four years, has built a team. He's he's built a group of guys that have held players accountable. Now. You know, in saying that, like, look look back to how Greg Berhalter handled the Weston McKinney situation back in uh, World Cup qualifying. And, you know, West, Weston got sent home to his team. He missed the game. But then Greg bought, brought him back into the team when he was healthy. He was, he was actually injured a little bit shortly after that. But it was a group that held him accountable. So now you're relying a lot on your leaders within the team as well. But, you know, I got to say, I, I wouldn't call him up next next camp and I would send a message, but I also don't know now what the immediate aftermath is that. And this is where you're going to find out kind of how strong your group is. And, you know, you hear about this U.S. Men's National Team Leadership Council. And I think previously that was Pulisic. It was Tyler Adams. It was Tim Ream. It was a few others. You know, you, you settle on on trying to find a way. I, I want to know and I can't wait to find out kind of what his immediate reaction is. Yeah. I hope he's embarrassed. I know he will be embarrassed. And I, I guess really that's 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 going to be how you're going to end up figuring it out here. Well, look, you know as well as I do that uh, players, professional players, elite players, it's amazing what they can compartmentalize. It's amazing what they can forgive in the name of being better, in the name of winning games. And while they might feel angry and miffed uh, and while we saw it on the field and we probably probably happening off the field in the, uh, in the locker room, when it comes right down to it and they look around, they want to win. And if they feel they have a better chance of winning with Serginho Dest on the field, you can bet your ass that they will forgive, maybe not forget, but it's really, I think going to him and making him understand that that this is not okay, that this is not a part of what they're doing. And like you said, having buy-in, and I'm not sure that that ultimately, ultimately is going to get done, but I would agree that it has to get done and it has to get done quickly so that it doesn't bite 
his ass and our ass when it comes to next summer, so wait, let like, alone in twenty twenty six. What would you do? I mean, because because you're you're speaking very measured and and leveled here. I don't, I, I don't even recognize you. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I think on one hand, Greg, this is a big moment for Greg within the team of. You know, you could. We know Serginho, and is he's very temperamental. Like you could lose him by not bringing him in for the next camp in a way in which he's going to be like, "F that guy, I don't want to be a part of this." Yeah. So, you know, so or do you have a little bit of a softer approach and say, "Hey, this is your last chance, buddy." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Look, uh, okay. So you use things. I guess in this case, it would be against players, and I know that's that's a that's a harsh word to say, but. Use what you have at your disposal. The earlier caller talked about his Instagram. I mean, look, this is a guy that loves the attention, loves the public, uh, the public attention. So if, if it were me, I'd go publicly. I'd go out and I would, I would come down on him in a public manner, all right? So that there's no equivocation. Everybody understands exactly what the situation is. And more importantly, I know look, there's a time to keep things in-house, and I think there's a time to send a message using the platform that, let's be honest, this generation and, and previous generations, that's a little too simple to say this generation because we used to read papers and all that kind of stuff. And sometimes nothing stings more than being rebuked publicly. And so I would I would use that. Now, you've got to be really careful when you use that. And certainly this team, given its history and the, and the public situation uh, that's happened, especially over the last year, you just got to be really careful using it. Mossy, what would you do? Well, uh, we should say the alternative to Sergina right back is Joe Scally, who came on tonight. I thought it was interesting that he brought off Gio rather than one of the two center forwards. He kept the two center forwards there, even with 10 men. Uh, but so if you were going to sit Serginho Dest as a sort of punishment, uh, that would mean Joe Scally starting. So what do you think? Have you guys seen enough from Joe Scally to be comfortable with him starting uh, games against quality opposition? What do you mean quality opposition? I mean, we're talking about the, the Copa America. The first game against in Copa America could be against, I don't know, Colombia or uh, could be against your Brazil team. And you want Joe Scali starting instead of uh, instead of Sergio Dest? I mean, maybe there are people out there that believe that it's not as that there's not as much of a gap between those players. I just look at it and I say, no, I, I would rather have Sergio Dest starting in that type of situation. So you can. You can ding him in upcoming games that they are that they are going to have, but that this is ultimately about doing well next summer and then doing well in 2026. Stu, go to your last word yeah. before we send you on yeah, your way. Go yeah, ahead. send me send me send me back, man, to the pew. I'll um I'll be watching and listening. I'm gonna go cook dinner after this, but uh, angrily now I'm gonna throw my steak around. Okay, and try and get a double yell. Look, I I think when it comes to Scally. Um, you know, we've seen him play consistently and play well in the Bundesliga. We have yet to see him get a consistent run of games with the U.S. men's national team. And I, I, and I have to say, I've been underwhelmed with him when he's had his opportunities. By, but I also recognize sometimes to get into a rhythm when you're not, you know, you're not necessarily seen as the starter. You're coming in for 15, 20 minutes. You're starting a game here. Then you're benched on the next one. It's part of him stepping up. You know, you've got to earn that right. And I think he's shown some flashes at club level against some good teams. But I, I got to say, I'm with you, Lex. I still feel, you know, Serginho's best is better than what I feel Scali's best is at the moment. And when Serginho, you see the best, I guess, of a, how much of a risk is that there in, in, in getting him? Um, but, yeah, I... I, 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 I'm very fascinated to see how the next 24 hours unfolds. And I, yeah. I hope that, that Greg sends a message both internally first, but then also I do think that this something of this nature does need addressed publicly. All right, Stu Holden. Have a great show, Stu boys. Holden, ladies and gentlemen. Go, 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 uh, go cook a meal there, okay? Thank All you right, for joining man. us, buddy. I appreciate you stopping by.
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, there's, there's Stu Holden. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. Okay, let's uh, jump around here and see. How about we go over here to uh, Chris and Krista? Let's uh, let's see what Chris and Krista have. I think we've had them on before, or if it's just Chris, or if it's just Krista, or they share an account, or whatever the hell's going on there. So unmute yourself there, Chris or and or Krista. Hey, yeah, this is uh, Chris down in uh, Managua, Nicaragua. Love your all's podcast. I listen to it well, whenever you. I'm driving around. So love it. Okay, I got three questions. I'm gonna shoot them fast. Is it okay. is it okay to blame the ref and not Sergino Dest because he should have. Shown the yellow, put the ball down, walked away. Is it okay to be happy for Trinidad and Tobago to get a win that doesn't mean anything for their fans where there weren't many there? And lastly, is it okay to blame Serginho Dest for ruining all of our nights, especially the young <laughs> players who didn't get to play okay. and we all wanted to see? Really appreciate y'all. Okay. Love it. Oh, appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Stay safe down there. I appreciate the questions. All right. So when it comes to the referee, it was not the referee's fault. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think he had anything to do with that. Uh, and especially when he started putting the uh, um, his hand over his uh, his mouth and doing all that kind of stuff. Um, is it OK to blame Serginho? Yeah, it's definitely OK for him. To, I don't know if he ruined our night. Um, this is you know, it's not a good look. But yeah, I mean, I think that this ultimately falls on nobody else but Serginho Dest. Now, I know there's out there that say, hey, look, the actions uh, of players are a reflection on the coach. And so in some way, this is probably Greg Berhalter's uh, fault. And OK, that's fine. You can uh, you can do that. What was the third one, Mossy, that he wanted? Uh, it was blame the referee, blame Serginho Dest. Uh, oh, be happy for Trinidad that they were yes. in front of their fans. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we gave them a gift, you know, lose the battle, win the war, ultimately, when it goes, when it comes to continuing on in Nations League and, uh, and obviously going to, uh, to Copa America. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess another, yet another gift that we give in terms of a one-off 90 minute moment of glory for, uh, for Trinidad and Tobago. All right. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see, let's move around. Here. Uh, incidentally, Lex, yeah, go ahead. I expressed surprise a moment ago that it was Gio that came off, but Jeff Carlisle tweeted that I guess Berhalter said Gio was on a minutes restriction. So he was going to come off at halftime anyway. So it made sense for him to be the guy that made way, uh, when, uh, they had to bring in a defender minutes restriction in a, in a competitive game minutes restriction. It's not a friendly game. What do you mean that they, they do that they they negotiate even for competitive games. I didn't I didn't realize that. That's that's not good. I mean, <laughs> uh, okay. Let's uh, let's move around here. Let's go to Andrew and see what Andrew has to say here. What's what's Andrew all about? Doesn't say much about Andrew, but you know we'll see what he has. Andrew, guys, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. So no problem, no problem. Where are you calling from first? I'm calling from Dallas, Texas. Nice, nice. Did you watch the game? Absolutely. So okay. and? my favorite player of all time is one of your former teammates, Tony Miola. And my, oh, my yes. father and I grew up as my father was a goalkeeper. I was a goalkeeper. I was really disappointed in Matt Turner's performance tonight. And I think 
to be honest with you, ever since he lost the gig at Arsenal, he's been less than stellar. Um, is that anything that that you see as a concern long term, uh, being the 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 kind of anchor at the back there for us? Interesting that. Uh, so, I, I, to your point, it's interesting you bring up Tony Miola because if for the, you're too young, but and most of you on this call are too young. But back in 1994, uh, one of the goals that Tony let in was a near post goal, uh, which is kind of what happened tonight. It was a little different the way Tony let it in, but I've always defended him and and most goalkeepers for cheating the cross. And I don't think necessarily in that moment, Matt Turner was cheating the cross, but ultimately from that type of angle to get beat uh, near post, that's not a good look. And then we've already talked about the long distance shot that he certainly should have saved. Yeah, it's coming fast. And, but it's, you know, it's, he sees it all the way. And if you've ever watched a training session, goalkeepers save a hundred of those in the course of a week, in the course of a day, they're, they're, you know, pairing those things all over the place. So that was for him and for him, uh, for the, someone his level, that is elite. It is concerning that he made the change from Arsenal in order to start and be the number one and then very quickly um, has lost that number one position. So, yeah, from a playing perspective, that's disappointing. But keep in mind that he was also great and played through a World Cup and was the number one while not playing and or playing very, very uh, few times. Uh, as the as the number two at Arsenal. So he can do that. But I'm not sure that I would look at this game um, and say, oh, but, and again, if there was somebody else, and I know Selenia and Selenia and all these stuff, different players are, are there, but unless there's somebody that's really licking their chops and fighting and right behind there that you have confidence in, you, I think you still got to go with, uh, with Matt Turner. But yeah, to your point, it, it is concerning that a guy who we have relied on and let's be honest, has stepped up each and every step of the way and is a wonderful story. It did not look good tonight in a, in a moment when the team ultimately did, uh, did not look good. The last person that I worry about on this team <laughs> is usually Matt Turner. Mossy, anything on uh, Matt Turner? I mean, is this a, is this a red flag where there is a possible changing of the guard? Well, first off, that was Dan Petrescu who scored for Romania in 94 against you guys. All right. Tony well, don't, Miola don't, at the near I mean, we get it. We get it that you're a savant and that uh, yes. you got, you know, I mean, jeez. Um, yeah, on Turner, uh, the only thing I would say is being the number two at Forest is worse than being the number two at Arsenal because they don't, true. they're not in Europe and they've already been knocked out of the League Cup. There's fewer games where they wouldn't play their starters. So it, it does bear watching. Uh, Black Odimos has taken the starting job, and so we'll see if uh, Turner can get it back. Uh, can we hop back to Sergio Des for a second? Because yeah, I had sure. a Burhalter quote about it. Go Paul ahead. Tenorio tweeted this out. Uh, Burhalter said Des must be held accountable, but then after five straight questions about him, he said he doesn't want a witch hunt. He's a fantastic part of this team. He's going to learn. He's going to grow. He made a dumb mistake. He knows that he apologized to the team, and we move forward. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I behind that, I hear that you know, there will be some harsher words behind the scenes. But what I also hear is, look, this is Serginho Dest. We take the good with the bad. And we understood that from the beginning, that there were going to be these head-scratching types of moments. But I think in his mind, and what I'm, I guess, trying to say, um, maybe not as well as I, as I should, is that the good far outweighs the bad. I also hear that he's not definitely not going my way in terms of calling him out publicly uh, in the way that I would want it called out. And he's going to keep it to the, to the extent that he can in-house and deal with that and go on. And I think he's also acutely aware that when, you know, the 
the U.S. soccer community and media and fans get that between their teeth, that bit, they will chomp down and they won't let go. And this is red meat to them. And, you know, and to a certain extent, they, they want to see their pound of flesh. And I think he is just guarding against that. And I guess that protection is admirable. And if I was Serginho Dest, I would hopefully think, geez, I just screwed up bad. And this guy is still going to defend me and he's going to defend me publicly. That's, you know, that would, that would make a normal person, I guess, feel good or feel bad that he, you know, violated that type of, of trust and belief. But we also know that Serginho Dest is anything but, uh, but normal. All right, let's take some more questions. Mossy, so when it comes to Matt Turner, you don't think that this is a moment of change, do you? No, but okay. uh, it just okay. bears watching. Like I said, if he goes the rest of the season not playing at all for Forrest, I think it will affect his form at some point. All right, well, let's go over to Preston here and see what Preston has to say. Preston, unmute yourself. How are we doing tonight, da, 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 Preston, I'm good. Where are you calling I'm from? calling Preston? from Ogden, Utah. Ogden, Utah. How's it going over it's there? It's going pretty good. It's a little cold today, but other than that, pretty good. All right. Uh, did you watch the I game? I did. I did. And thoughts? Well, I have kind of an Alexi Lawless type hypothetical because we're always talking okay. about Americanization of the game. And, you know, as I as I watched Serginho get sent off, you know, in other sports when players lose their head, um, you know, you don't – it doesn't punish the whole team. And I know that's soccer, and I, I'm, I'm a huge soccer fan, and I'm not for – totally turning it upside down. But, but I just wondered, you know, could it ever go to something like indoor soccer where you get a blue card and it's like a penalty box type situation? Cause I just hate to see teams lose. And, and I know the soccer purists are probably yelling at me right now, but I just hate to see no, a don't team worry about, lose. Don't worry about the soccer pur- purists. Don't worry about <laughs> I, I it. Don't worry. I like, I like that you're thinking outside the box. This is important in life and in, in sports. And I've talked before about, you know, the, the disparity between a yellow card and a red card is great. And so having something in the middle. Now, I will say this. Even if that existed, I think the antics uh, and the actions of Serginho Dest in this moment warranted that red card. Even he definitely deserves to be ejected. Yeah. Yes, a- a- absolutely. But in, in, a, in a greater conversation and a hypothetical type of situation, I do think at times where, and you know, we've all been there where it's happened, where something has happened and you know the referee in the back of his or her mind is saying, God, I really wish I had something else. And whether that's a different color card, whether that's a, you know, a penalty box, sin bin, whatever they want to call it, I do think that at some point they will consider that because the harshness and the impact of a red card in a soccer game is is so dramatic and so great that it 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 sometimes you 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 just see the wheels turning in the referee's head when you're doing that because they know I am fundamentally going to change the game by doing this and I just wish I had some sort of other outcome. It's kind of like when a uh, when a judge gives down their sentence and oftentimes they will preface it by saying, well, the law mandates that I do this. <laughs> and, and the law mandates oftentimes that this is a red card offense when a orange card, blue card, whatever card you want to, uh, to, to, uh, to put there would suffice. 
um, I would, I would, if that were to happen, I do think that there has to be some sort of punishment, obviously more than a yellow card, but some sort of punishment. Uh, and I think that would come in the form of what, as opposed to being kicked completely out of the game, like we talk about a penalty box. So there is a period of time where you're off the field. So, uh, you're, you're not the first person to bring that up and it's, and it's a completely legitimate thought. And I think a fair conversation to have as we continue to look how, how the game is going to be changed. And I don't think it would fundamentally change the game uh, in a way that would hurt the game going forward. And again, if you, if you pay money to go see a game, we all know in that moment, well, when, it, when it's for your team, that's great because you're going to play with a man up. But there's also a part of you that says, you know what? I like the 11-11. And then to the extent that the laws can encourage having 11 players on the field for each team throughout the game, I think that's a good thing. With, with the caveat that we don't want players to feel unprotected. And if and when there are actions, either verbal or physical, that warrant a red card, as is the case here with Serginho Dest, yeah, you get kicked out of the game when you're kicking the ball over the place and even <laughs> under your hand, calling the referee every name in the book. Mossy, anything on that? Uh, I'm a purist, so I find Preston's suggestion ridiculous. <laughs> well, we know, we know that. I mean, any type of change to the game. Um, okay, let's go around. There's a lot of people that want to talk here. Um, don't, 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 don't. Let's go over here. Jack, let's see what Jack has to say. Jack, I cannot pronounce your uh, last name, but uh, you know, we're going to find out here. What? Weissenmeyer. I think that's what it is. That is a speaker. Let's see if Jack really wants to speak here. It's possible. Let's see. Let's see. Hey, Mossy, did you think anybody actually had a good game tonight? Obviously, uh, you know, uh, Jedi scores the goal. That was a that was a good goal. Nice cross from Des there. But did anybody come out? Feel I, I thought Musa was good. I thought Musa yeah, was good. Frankly, prior to the red card, I thought there were some good performances out there. Like I said, I thought the U.S. was playing fairly well. So um, yeah, Robinson, Musa, and the Geo was moving around pretty well, doing some things. Uh, but yeah, that red card pretty looked good after that for sure. You know, to, as far as the red card. It wasn't a straight red. It was two yellows, which makes it even more unforgivable because he showed him a yellow first, and that should have been his cue to knock it off and stop. And then Sergino Desk kept at it, and he had, the referee had no choice but to show him a second yellow, which right, was pretty exactly. incredible. Yeah. I'm just saying it, it warranted that second yellow because right, right, right. You, know, you, you, you had your little fit, and it was fine. You got your yellow card. It's not great. It's not smart, but hey, you got your yellow card. And you know, uh, you know, kick the ball into the stands. That's an automatic yellow anywhere in the world. I think everybody can agree on that. But no, you couldn't let it go, Serginia. You had to keep going. And it, and again, it was almost as if he, you know, I'm, look, uh, th- th- this is this is not the case. I am not saying that this is the case by any stretch of the imagination. But if you were an individual that had something riding on a red card in a game, <laughs> well, little, that's that's all I'm saying. I mean, little, that's little how, Lucas Paquetat. I'm just here, saying yeah. it was it, it, it. He was going to get kicked out in that moment, no matter what, <laughs> and he was hell bent on doing whatever he needed to do in order to get kicked out. So that's what that's what it was strange. Uh, but anyway, uh, let's see what Jamie has to say or Jaime. I don't know. We'll see uh, when. Uh, yeah, yeah, Jamie. Yeah, Jamie. Green Bay Packers fan, evidently, allegedly. Jamie, you there? Yep. Uh, go pack hey, what's up. up. How are you? How you doing? <laughs> no, good, good. I mean, what what did we think about Pepe's performance? Like, uh, I mean, are we still are we still needing a striker? Or well, it was a performance in a scenario that we haven't seen before with both of them starting, and so part of me 
wanted to see him play in that nine position, but as the striker and the lone striker. And in this case with Malagan, I just don't, it's not that it didn't work because I think he had some good touches and he wasn't as goal dangerous as I think we would like to see him be. And so it was almost unfair to have him come in now in a starting capacity in a completely different, uh, completely different lineup. And so I don't know. I, I, it's, it wasn't a great performance by Pepe and obviously he came off the field and he's there to score goals. And the reason why we were even talking about a possibility of him starting is his goal scoring. Now that was all in a substitute capacity. And so who knows, maybe that is ultimately the role that he is destined to play. And let's be honest, he's played it pretty well so long, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say that until I actually saw him with this team playing in that position, the way that Balogun has, has been able to play and with a, a moment and a starting position uh, for a uh, for a game in that starting nine position in the traditional sense. Mossy? Yeah, I don't see any scenario with Pulisic and Way available in which you would start those two up top, but it's an interesting tactical option to have if you're losing a game late and it's kitchen sink time and you want to throw them both on. Uh, I will say, when you have two strikers on the field, you'd love for them to have some chemistry and combine with each other. We didn't see any of that. They each had some nice moments, but it was combining with other players and not with each other. So uh, from that uh, respect, it wasn't all that impressive tonight. All right, let's see what uh, Garrett has to say. Oh, Garrett. Garrett, unmute yourself. And yes, going once, going twice, Garrett. I can see you're muted. You Got to unmute yourself. There you go. go. Hey, what's up? Alexi Lalas, American hero yourself. Hey, How are you, sir? I'm good. Where are you calling from? Garrett? I am actually calling from the great state of Michigan. So Metro Detroit area. Nice. What do you, what do you do up there? So this time of year, you uh, enjoy the weather. You go uh, <laughs> rifle. You, it's rifle season. So, I mean, you go hunting nice. until, uh, until about Thanksgiving and then you stay inside and uh, watch sports for about four months. It's great. No, I was talking with someone who uh, Mossy and I both know who is returning to Michigan for the first time in a long time. He specifically wanted to go back at this point because, as you know, this is one of the most beautiful times in the Midwest and obviously in Michigan. He wants to go to the Franklin Cider Mill and do the whole thing with that. So uh, God's country as far yes, as I know. And actually, so, I don't uh, live. Watch the game. And I actually do not uh, live too far away from there. But and yes, I was watching the game. I actually went to a local pub to watch it. And uh, I was a little bit disappointed. Like, see, I, I think the thing that I have a question about is so and I'll preface this by saying this I uh you know I'm, I'm not relatively new to soccer but I've, I'm not as up on with the formations and tactic and technique as much as I am let's say other sports and I think the one thing that I can't wrap my head around is that with a mostly a roster minus you know a, a few subtractions obviously with injuries like with Wea and Pulisic and players like that I kind of feel like it's a little interesting that this group of 11 can't keep consistency against the team in Trinidad and Tobago, who again, you know, first half they played pretty well last match. Obviously the U S was able to get three, was able to just kind of jump in and do what they had to do. But I just, I kind of feel like it's a very like strange dynamic where you come out of the gate today, you play fine. And then all of a sudden you just kind of will them back into the game. It just doesn't seem like to me if, if you're Burhalter and if you're at least with the caliber player they have, I mean, I know obviously the U S in the grand scheme of things, it's not the greatest country in the world in terms of soccer, but it's not also this third world country either. Let's be fair. And I'm not trying to discredit Trinidad and Tobago. I'm just simply saying that there's a, there should be a talent gap there where your players should be able to come out every night and losing 2-1 to a team like that is a little lackluster, if you ask me. Got it. 
Got it. All right, Garrett, here we go. I'm so glad that you brought this up. There's a couple of things here. Number one, um, I think the environment matters. Understanding where this team is playing, the situation, um, the environment, including the actual field, I think is important. Okay. Does that mean that the U.S. isn't a better team than the likes of Trinidad? No. But if you've been around for any length of time and you have seen the U.S. go through a qualifying process, whether it's an octagonal or hexagonal, the understanding should be there that while on paper and while on the surface, the U.S. is oftentimes a much, much better team than the opponent. When you get down into some of these environments, when you get down to playing on some of these fields, and while on television, it may look all fine and well, and it may look green, it's not the easiest thing. Now, does that, you know, does, does that excuse a poor performance? No. The other part is, and this is something that I think we as an American soccer community leading up to 2026 may have to come to terms with. This team, when all is said and done, might not be as good as we thought. And I know that's a difficult thing to hear. and It's a difficult thing to say, given all of the talent that we have, given all of the power of the success. And let's be honest, given all of the expectation that we have for this group. Is that unfair um, or is that lowering expectations um, going to hurt this group going forward? No. But I, I will say that I think all of the talk of the depth and all of the talk of all of this talent, I think we are finding out now on multiple occasions that once we get past some of those elite players and some of this generation, either by design or by divine inter intervention, once we get past some of those players, or as, as happened in this window, those players aren't available, we become very mediocre very quickly. Does it mean that we can't beat great teams? Does it mean that we can't have great moments? No. But this whole foundation has been built on winning a Men's World Cup. This whole foundation has been built on the premise that these players are so much better and that there are so many more of them. And I'm not saying that I yet believe this, but I do think that it is a question that needs to be asked if, if our expectations are out of whack with what the reality is when it comes to this team. And that's, I think that's, that's an important, <laughs> I guess, conversation to have leading up to next summer and leading up to 2026. Um, and again, I, I don't want to be delusional. I don't think anybody on this call, and I know Mossy, I don't want to speak for you, but we don't want to be delusional. And we don't want to be Pollyanna in the way that we think about think about this team. And I also don't want to just say, all right, well, whatever happens, happens because they're really not that good. I do think that they are good. I do think that they can do things that we haven't seen before. But maybe it's it's just it's not quite there yet. And maybe ultimately, when all is said and done in 2026, we have to adjust our expectations going forward for this group. Is that fair, Mossy? 
Yeah, there there is a growing narrative uh, with regards to the depth. Uh, Matt Doyle tweeted this a few days ago. Stu Holden talked about it on our air that um, the U.S. really needs to work between now and 2026 and improving the depth. I know Burhalter has talked about wanting to have 17 or 18 starting caliber players where there's no drop-off if any of those guys are on the field, and I don't think they're quite there now. In fact, one position where it's become clear the U.S. has no depth is at the six. Uh, Burhalter, when Tyler Adams is not available, which has been often lately, unfortunately, mm-hmm. th- there's no other player that he has confidence in to start a game. Uh, even with a 3-0 aggregate lead on the road, he, he didn't even consider starting Leonard Maloney. He put Luca De La Torre in place of Weston McKinney, but preserved this lineup with Gio as a 10 uh, and just two guys sitting. And Maloney didn't come on until stoppage time today. So that is a position where I've talked about. There are going to be days where... Even without Tyler Adams available, the smart move is to play a six and to play more of a trio in the midfield with that six, McKinney and Musa. So the U.S. does have to develop that other player as an option, as an understudy to Tyler Adams. Right now, they don't have that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's see what Matt has to say. Matt's a coach. Mr. Wallace, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good to speak to you again. Likewise. Calling from Monterey, California. You know it. You know it. What uh, did you watch the game tonight? I did. Um, and I'm, and? you know, I, I will try not to uh, mention hashtag pro rail for USA. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm going to, yeah. you know, as a guy that has been around the game for all my life, um, I'm going to jump on board with Garrett. Uh, to me, they didn't, they didn't look that good, man. I expected mm-hmm. a lot more of them. Okay, when you say they didn't look that good, so how does that manifest? What was what was lacking, uh, either that you wanted to see that you haven't seen before, or that you have seen before and that it just didn't show up tonight? So I I expected them having uh, you know one three to zero, and they really didn't dominate in that game either, the first game. But mm-hmm. tonight I expected them to kind of step up the game for some reason. Um, and when they went down a man, I thought this was the opportunity for them to kind of show tenacity show their ability to reorganize um and they didn't you know their their shape looked horrible their technical ability uh sorry my wife's getting into the car as i'm I'm speaking here that's all right um their their technical ability was like you could see it was just lacking um you know they were making square passes there was one pass from reem where he passed uh, out to the uh, left back and, you know, uh, Trinidad and Tobago was, was pressuring high and he, you know, he didn't run back towards the, uh, the goal line to become an option, you know, for, for uh, support. Um, So I just, you know, man, I just felt like they were going to kind of step it up tonight. And then they went down a man and I'm like, okay, well, let's see what they'll do now. And they just, with the man down, it kind of almost showed, uh, you know, the all the work that needs to be done with this team, like you were kind of saying. I hear you. I hear you. All right, Matt, say hello to your wife there, okay? All right, big guy. Good talking to you. All right, say yeah. Uh, to Matt's point, you know, and, and Musty, I think you mentioned this. The beginning of the game, I don't think it was bad. And obviously, even beyond the goal, I think the U.S. actually took it to Trinidad in a way that was 
pleasing and in a way juxtaposed with what happened in the in the previous game was a welcome type of change. And we all know that red cards can, can, can fundamentally change the game. To Matt's point, I don't think that when that red card happened, this team, even with the talent that they have and the experience that they had, showed that type of maturity to be able to adjust in that moment to still vastly inferior opposition out there. Well, you, you, I, I just want you to reiterate, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but you were still happy with the beginning of the game, right? And, the, and most of the first half. Correct. As I said, okay. I think this was two separate games, pre-death red card and post-death red card. Um, Marcy, let me ask you this. Right now, as we stand here, again, Monday, November 20th in the year 2023, with what this team is, what this team isn't, we know that they have had injuries, but every team has injuries. We're already seeing a raft of them anyway uh, for many of other, of the other teams. If you had to prognosticate here, how do you think this team progresses through this next year? And what, what version of this team do you anticipate next summer at the Copa America? I will say it's early in this Burhalter 2.0, uh, but I mentioned this on our last basis and I'll reiterate, I'm just sensing something flat. There's some, there's a feeling of stagnation that's creeping in that, that I think would be concerning. So that bears watching. Uh, they're going to have now the Nations League semis and final in March, and we'll see how they look in those games. And then, as you mentioned, the Copa America is going to be the big test. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're really going to have to kind of improve and just find a spark that I, I haven't seen in these recent games. Uh, yeah, so I, I think right now there is it, it is fair to be somewhat concerned about what this team is going to look like at the club. Yeah, I think you're like a lot of people, and I would agree that you know, from a results standpoint, you know, ultimately mission accomplished in terms of going on uh, in nations and going on and qualifying for Copa America. But there, there are bigger fish, and there are there is this 26 looming, and I think everybody after 22 wanted to believe that we were kicking on, wanted to believe that we were heading in the right direction. And look, again, there are people that no matter what Greg Berhalter does, they are, they're just not going to <laughs> give him any time or any credit. And I, I understand that. Um, you know, the never Greg's, if you will. But, you know, I'm on record as being very supportive of Greg. but. I would agree with you that there are concerning signs. And again, sometimes it's, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Supreme Court definition of obscenity. I, I, I can't tell you what it is, but I, I, I know it when I, when I see it, or in this case, when I, when I see it and feel it. And I, I want to feel like this team is heading in the right directions. And too often, I think the verdict is that, unless everybody is healthy and all those players are there um, that we need. And again, it's not the 17, it's you know, like the seven or eight that we need on the field at the same time. We, we struggle to see that version that again, ignites us and makes us believe that this team is heading in the right direction relative to not just next summer, but obviously 2026. And that, you know, that, that should be concerning because that is, Greg Berhalter's job is to give us all a belief that this is heading in the right direction so that we put our best foot forward come the summer of 2026. Uh, should we take a couple more questions and then get out of here? Yep. All right. I don't want to keep you up, my friend. I know you got all sorts of stuff that's going on, right? I'll tell you what I've got in a couple hours. Uh, what do you under, got? Under 17 World Cup round of 16, Germany, USA. 
Germany, USA. We'll give the folks out there that might be sleeping through this. And when I say folks, I mean me. Um, a, a little, uh, uh, you know, primer of uh, what we should be watching for. Well, the U.S. had a disastrous final group game. They lost 3-0 to France. Uh, they had one of their best players sent off, so he's suspended for it tonight. A couple of other guys got injured, so they're going to be shorthanded against a very good Germany team that won all three of their group games. So, tough game. The U.S. clearly the underdog, but they, there is some talent on this team, including Berkimas, who we've talked about. So, we'll see if they can pull off a surprise. It'll be uh, J.P. Della Camera and Lori Lindsay on the call. Uh, that's 1230 uh, a.m. Pacific, 3.30 a.m. Eastern. Hopefully you can join us if you're a night owl. So uh, wow. we'll be there at Fox covering that. That sounds like funny. U.S. Germany, right? It's a classic mashup. All right. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see what Tanner has to say. We'll take a few more questions and then we'll get you out of here. Tanner, my friend, unmute yourself. Hey, what's up? Hey, guys. I just want to ask y'all's opinion since... Oh, since he's been a part of the team, obviously he's flashed a couple times. I'm talking about Ballo. It feels like mm -hmm. at times he kind of just disappears. And by no means at all do I think Pepe should start over him. But I just feel like, especially like when you watch him on the club level, he it looks like out there he has a hard time like combining with other players on the team. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is that, you know, the, the version of a player from a club perspective can be very different from the version of a player internationally. And I think what we're seeing here is a player that for club is doing great things and makes you salivate, salivate, especially if you're a U.S. national team that doesn't have that position. It's a position of need. And yet putting that player now into a completely different environment that's, you know, that, that's, unless you're, you know, Zlatan or, or others that where it just kind of all works around you and everything seems, you know, you seem to be the, the center uh, of planets revolving around you, unless you're like that. And that's not what Balogun is. You have to be able to adjust and the team around you has to adjust. And I just think that this is an adjustment process here for a player that a lot of these players just don't quite know how to play with. And I hope that we come around the other side and there's an understanding and something clicks and says, oh, I get it. And there has to be relationships that are established, you know, between Gio Reyna and, you know, Musa and Weston and all these to understand that, you know, he, he's not the type of guy that's going to stand up there and you can knock it up to his head on a consistent basis. Doesn't mean he can't score with his head. So I'm not I, I'm not saying that this is a failed experiment. This yes, is an absolutely wor worthwhile experiment. And to your point just because Ricardo Pepe has come on in terms of scoring goals doesn't mean that he should be replacing him right now. I want as much competition as possible and it's not as if he can uh, and Balogun can't be replaced, but it's, we're getting a lot of games now and a lot of national team performances. And I think it's fair to say that so far he has yet to, completely live up to the expectations and they were lofty expectations given his club pedigree and what he has done, but it has yet to translate really to the national team, but I'm not ready to throw it out yet. One last question. If you guys sure. don't mind. Sure. Um, do y'all think that, you know, obviously it looks like he plays well with geo. So in like a game, like say like in Copa de America, we could go up against a Brazil and obviously we don't know if Tyler Adams will be available. Hopefully he will. 
do you want your two best offensive guys out there? Because I don't know how well he would play without Gio on the field. Because when Gio and him are when Gio is playing right behind him, it looks great. So do you think it could hurt him even more not have Gio, Gio out there? Wait, so you're saying that he plays better with Gio? And I, I don't understand your question. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm asking. Do you think? For Ballo, it would be better for him to have Gio out there and playing him behind him because Gio seems to do a good job of finding him the ball when he's trying to slip behind the defenders. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the Gio continues to be an enigma for me. Um, he can, you know, there's undeniable talent. His best position continues to be kind of up in the air. I want him on the field, but again, Mossy and I have talked about this before. What does it look like when everybody's healthy and who are you taking out? And is he the guy that is going to completely run the show with a Polisic out there and, and, and others out there? I, I don't know, because if he is this, you know, the, the word that we always use, right, talismatic figure for the U.S., that's fine. But is he really good enough to do that in the traditional sense and in the way that we often associate that type of position uh, with running the show? So I... I Part of me thinks, yes, he can. And part of me thinks, I, I still haven't seen the best of Gio. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the best is, is yet to come as he continues to grow. But if I, was, if I was Balogun, I would look around and say, yeah, I want Gio around there because I know he can yeah, do that sure. pass. I know he's smart enough to understand that, you know, and look, Gio played with Erlen Holland. So he, he's, he's smart enough to understand when you play it in the air and when you don't play it in the air and who wants it in the air in this moment, who doesn't want it in the air in this moment. And you know, how you have to adjust relative to who you're playing with. And, you know, I think if nothing else, Giorena is an incredibly smart soccer player. And so I think he can adjust maybe more so than others. And if I was Balogun, I would look and say, this is a guy that can help me be successful because he thinks about the game in a different way. So, I mean, we'll see if ultimately they are on the field and they share the field together going forward. But, um, you know, I think Gio, I think Gio actually comes off of this window, I guess in a little better position, but certainly not leaps and bounds ahead of where he was when he came into this window. Mossy? No. Yes, sir. I would agree. And I appreciate all your y'all's answers. Thank yeah, you, Tanner. I appreciate little... it. All right. Have a good yes, night. Sir. Go for it, Mossy. Yeah, I mean, we, we keep talking about this moment where everybody's available, including Tyler Adams, and then you are going to have to decide who uh, doesn't play. And it might be a consideration, the fact that with Gio on the field, Balogun performs better. So I think he actually raises a fair point. Um, so, you know, that, that will be part of the consideration as well. My friend, you want to go to work? Yeah, I will say, uh, programming note, our next pod will be Wednesday back in the studio and it will be a blockbuster. So much to talk about, more on uh, this window for the U.S. We'll talk about the other CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinals. Panama also qualifying tonight. Tomorrow, Mexico will try to overturn a 2-0 deficit against Honduras at the Azteca. Canada will hope to finish off Jamaica. We've got CONMEBOL World Cup qualifying to My recap, including Brazil-Argentina at the Maracanã. We've got... Uh, the window in Europe to recap, a bunch of teams qualifying for the Euros. We're up to 20 teams now, and, and one more will qualify tomorrow, so we'll know 21 of the 24 when we have our next pod on Wednesday. Plus, the U.S. women have a couple of friendlies against China coming up. They named their roster, still Twyla Kilgore coaching, but apparently Emma Hayes had some input on this roster, and some of the World Cup veterans have dropped out, including Alex Morgan, some new players coming in, so we have a lot to dissect Ooh, there. I, I got a lot to say about, uh, lot to say about that. Listen, 
not the greatest result, but the U.S. moves on um, in terms of nations and uh, getting to Copa America, and that is an important thing. So we are excited to see the U.S. when they play their... <laughs> I'm saying it right now. When they play their opening game in Atlanta next summer in the Copa America, it was announced that the opening game of the World Cup uh, is uh, of the uh, of Copa America is going to be played in Atlanta and Mercedes Benz there. We don't know who's going to play there, but traditionally the one of the host teams and the U.S. would be a host team, even though it's a guest for Copa America. Uh, so we look forward to that, and then playing the final. Who knows? Maybe against Messi and friends when it comes to uh, Argentina in Miami, as the U.S. wins Copa America by beating Messi and company in Miami, in his own backyard, in his own neighborhood. Oh, that would be glorious, Mossy. Anything to say before we go, Mossy? That's it. All right, we will talk to you again, as Mossy said, later on uh, in the week. We appreciate everybody. I'm sorry I didn't get to everybody, so don't yell at me. All right, there's just a lot of people that want to talk, uh, and I tried to skip around as bu- uh, as best as I could. We appreciate you even just hanging and listening, and that you even wanted to talk. Uh, that's very, very cool. Uh, and again, I'm sorry I didn't get to uh, everybody. We'll talk to you again next time. And until then, and as always, my friends, size the day.